All right, welcome to episode or number 15. I guess we're not really calling them episodes. So number 15 of the sports mashup. Uh, lots to cover today on 6-9. Very nice day to do an episode. Um, I think we're in the time of the year now where the NBA kind of makes its money. Like this is where you actually talk about the NBA because uh, we haven't really been a show to talk about it too much. That's probably because a lot of it was in the regular season. And I think this is kind of the time where the NBA takes over where it's only worth talking about on this type of stage, which would be the uh, playoffs into the summer. So we'll start with the NBA as we have every time. James Harden hurt again, got hurt very early in game one against the Bucks, which that series has been a complete joke. Um, and then he's out again tomorrow in game three. So as I've said, if they have two of the three guys healthy, they can win it all. Like Kevin Durant is the best player in the world right now. So it surprised me that he – like they kind of they rested him a lot in the first series against Boston because they were ahead so much. You know they took it easy on him with his hamstring injury, and it yeah, was I mean, so early in Game One that he got hurt, he hurt his hamstring. Maybe so it's how too much, much rest, or like how much is he? Are they pushing him in practice? Yeah, I don't know. I mean the thing is. This is kind of like basketball, uh, the ball doesn't lie. Because the way that James Harden's season started, he basically tried to play himself into shape um, rather than getting in shape or staying in shape in the offseason, trying to get his way out of Houston. So biting him in the ass because he's hurt again for the third time, and it's the same injury. So I don't think he's going to be back. I would say he won't be back in this series. Maybe he'll be back in the next series. I don't know. But he missed a lot of time the first couple times it was injured. So no, who knows? If I, if I was Steve Nash, I would just sit him the rest of his series. Yeah, the way KD's playing. They don't and, and I would just make him rehab the heck out of this for the rest of this series. I think that's what they're going to do. They're, they've been a very cautious team all year. They play, what, they play the winner of Philly and Atlanta. Yeah, because Milwaukee has no chance. I mean, Milwaukee might win a game. Maybe two, but I still don't think they're going to win the series. So yeah, uh, Tom that could, Thibodeau. That, that could be a long. That could be a long series at Philly and Atlanta one. So they could I have. Think it will extra, be, yeah. They could have even more time to rehab that. Yeah, he he won't be back in the series. I'd be surprised if he was. Even if there's a game seven, maybe he'll be back. But I still don't think there's going to be a game seven. So we'll see. Uh, Tom Thibodeau wins NBA Coach of the Year after getting the Knicks back in the playoffs for the first time in eight years. The way that they had this voting done was that Monty Williams, for my squad, obviously, uh, he got more first-place votes, but Thibodeau got the most overall quality first- and second-place votes, so he ended up winning via the point system. So I don't really care either way, to be honest. Um, you know, the Knicks, the way that their season ended, obviously was embarrassing, but I think he deserved it. You look at the roster he has compared to what the Suns have, it's definitely worse. Uh, so I think that's a good Good call, giving him the award. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Nikola Jokic also won MVP. Averaged 26 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. He's joined Oscar Robertson, who did it three seasons, and Russell Westbrook two seasons to average 25, 10, and 8 in a season. So, pretty good. Carried yeah, that team to too join Oscar Robertson, I, I mean, like you said, Russell Westbrook, it seems like half the time the team – it seemed like they're running away from the glass for him to get his rebounds, to get his triple doubles. 
Yeah, I think it's kind of more like that now. I don't know how much it was like that in OKC because they had some big-time rebounders in that team when he was at OKC. Steven well, Adams. Yeah, Steven Adams. But you'd see how times Steven Adams would go up with his hands and sometimes his hands would just drop. Like you'd hear Russell Wilson's voice swimming and his hands would instantly go down to his pockets. Yeah, it is what it is either way, but Jokic was a great season, and uh, I didn't think we would really see centers win these types of awards very often anymore because the position as as a whole is really taking a step back. So I think this is a big deal that he, he did it. But, uh, yeah, big uh, big time ups to him. All right, Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum, I think one of them might be out in, uh, in Portland. I think the interest for Lillard is obviously going to be off the charts, but – I don't think Portland's ready to move on, to be honest. I know they parted ways with head coach Terry Stotts. Uh, who knows where they go with that. But I still think both of those guys will stay in Portland. Well, no, didn't Lillard already make a tweet to, like, LeBron? Or, I don't really think LeBron. It was uh, – I read an article saying that uh, – who could add him? Golden State could add him? Yeah. Doesn't really make any sense, especially with Clay being back. I don't think that would make sense. It would be, he'd be the other shooting guard. It'd be you'd have him, Clay, and Lillard, or Curry, him, and Clay. I think the Knicks should get Lillard. You look at the one issue that they had all season was a consistent point guard. Emmanuel quickly had a really good season. Maybe he's the future, but. When you have the chance to add a superstar point guard, I think you got to go for it. I think the Knicks should. Uh, obviously, Derrick Rose is older. I know he somehow got a first-place MVP vote, which makes absolutely no sense. But I think Lillard would make a lot of sense to the Knicks. But no, a lot of people in the middle of the year when C.J. McCollum was hurt, they were mad saying that they wish they would have traded McCollum because during the 16 games he was out, they had a better record with him off the court than when he was on the court. They, I think their biggest problem over the years overall has not only been like getting a third guy with those two, but having like somebody stay healthy. Like Nurkic was a huge part of that team down the stretch uh, in 2019 when they lost the Warriors in the conference finals and he got hurt. So yeah, when those guys first got there, they had LaMarcus Aldridge and they were yeah. all outstanding together. Yeah, I don't know how they never really got to the finals. I guess they were blocked by the Warriors and the uh, Spurs. So, and Kobe was still Kobe was still there. Yeah, when those guys first got there, it's a weird situation. But I don't know. It looks like Joel Embiid's doing something we didn't think he'd do. Yeah, I, I don't know how he played Game One in the second round in a losing matter, by the way, but on a torn meniscus. Yeah, he had 39 points, nine rebounds, and four assists, but he played like 38 minutes. But, I mean, he had to get that knee shot up, and he had to be – I didn't see the game, but he had to be wearing a knee brace. Yeah, I think it helps that it was only a slight tear, so it wasn't bad enough to where it was impossible for him to play. But he also had 41 last night, and they won. So, I mean, he's got – But was, is he wearing a big knee brace? I haven't even paid attention to that, to be honest. I don't know why. It's probably the first thing I should look for, but I'm sure he is. I don't know why he wouldn't be at that point. But take a look at the updated playoff series right now, huh? 
Yeah, you got the Western Conference. You got Utah up 1-0 on the Clippers. The Suns up 1-0 on Denver. In the Eastern Conference, you have Brooklyn up 2-0 on Milwaukee. And you're at a 1-1 split between Philly and Atlanta. Yeah, I guess I think my view on these series would be Philly-Atlanta, I think I think Philadelphia will win. I think it'll go 5-6-7, probably at least. I, that, that series will depend on how, I think, Embiid's knee holds up. Yeah, and obviously they need other guys to score around him because he can't score. Because game one, Curry was their second-leading scorer. Yeah, they need and, guys like Tobias Harris and those types. Because that's what – I think Dallas – could have beaten the Clippers in Game Seven, but their bench literally only scored six points. Luca yeah, had forty-six. Luca's team around him is not good. No, and Green being hurt all playoffs killed him. But their bench literally only had six points, and it was only by two players. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But he dropped forty-six, and he—he's it was on four, seventeen of thirty shooting. I mean, it wasn't like he. It wasn't like he shot every shot. He was over fifty percent from the field. You knew it was going to end up that way when he had twenty nine points in the first half and they were losing. Well, I made a bet Saturday night for either him or Kawhi to score over forty. Did they both? I mean, Kawhi had to, right? No. What do you have? Like thirty? He was, I think, in his twenties. He just was so efficient, I guess. I, it was just a bet that either of them had to – it was an odd boost bet for either of them had to score score 40. Yeah, that's like a guarantee in a game seven. Brooklyn-Milwaukee, I mean, I think this series is over. Uh, Brooklyn just embarrassed them in the first two games. I think Milwaukee will punch back, but I don't know how many games they can win, maybe one, maybe two. And my buddy Ian was in town for that game Saturday, the game one, and he had a parlay bet for – what was that? Brooklyn had to win, and he, the, he had it the over two, and it was at 239 and a half. So Harden getting hurt kind of hurt that. And then when Milwaukee pulled their starters with like four and a half minutes to go, that kind of sealed the deal that the over wasn't going to get hit. Because I think the, the final score in the total was like 224 or something. Yeah. But I'm like, it was still like a 15-point game or something, but you, why would you pull your starters with four and a half minutes to go? It's a weird situation. There's not much around Giannis, and Chris Middleton didn't play well, but I wonder if Budenholzer gets fired if they lose this series embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, they were like, at one point, they were like four or five for 20 from three. Isn't DiVincenzo out? I think he's out. That kind of hurts them a little bit. It's not the but they still people. they still have um, uh, the one three point shooter from Notre Dame, Pat Connaughton. Yeah, he's in there. Yeah. Any, uh, I mean, for the Western Conference, I think Utah, LA. I think that goes seven. I think Utah is going to make it seem like they're going to win the series easily, like Dallas did, and then the Clippers will come back. Phoenix, Denver is an interesting one because I mean. If, if Denver gets a couple guys back, like Will Barton and somebody else that they're supposed to get back, that puts them in a good spot because of the way that Michael Porter Jr. has played and uh, that Argentinian point guard, Campazzo, I mean, he's a 
very scrappy player. Kind but of Murray's out for the rest of the year no matter what, Yeah, right? he's done, yeah. That kills them. But I think the Suns are better. I think the Suns will win the series, but I think it'll be six or seven, I would say. Um, we'll see. Okay, let's go to the NFL. And finally, this happened. Julio Jones gets traded to the Tennessee Titans. I think I said Titans on this podcast. I don't yeah. remember, though. But well, he wasn't in those original four that they kept saying that he – or that they were, like, saying that he could go to, right? But then, like, last podcast, they said that the Titans were out and that they couldn't make a deal with the Titans. Yeah, I don't I don't know. This deal couldn't have been that complicated to figure out, I don't think. But he goes for a, a 2022 second-round pick, a 2023 fourth-round pick, and the Titans also get a 2023 sixth-round pick. And then the Titans were also able to re-negotiate um, his contract to split the money up. Here's the thing. I think it's slightly overrated the narrative that the Titans fleeced them because, number one, Julio Jones is in his 30s now. Number two, he hasn't stayed on the field in the last three or four seasons. And number three, the length, the amount of money he's owed on his contract to finish it out is significant. Even with them splitting it up, it's a lot of money to commit to a receiver who's in his 30s who has struggled to stay on the field. Well, wait, whoa. Pat McAfee's show, they went through and they found out that it's only been the last year that he really hasn't been able to stay on the field. I guess, but... It's it's still a risk for the Titans. It's good value, but it's not like a huge steal. Like that pick's gonna be in the top sixty-two, so and it'll probably be like fifties or sixties. So it's, or I would say early fifties. But it's. I mean, do you, did did they really expect the Titans or did they really expect the Falcons to get a first-round pick in this deal? No, second-round pick and a fourth-round pick is not horrible for an aging receiver who hasn't done much in the last year and a half. He's great, but no, I'm just saying. Like, McVie, he thought, he's like, I'd give up at a second and a third. So I'm surprised, that, I'm surprised that they only got a, a second and a fourth. I don't know. I just think that narratives in the NFL and trades are driven by one side. Like, people thought the Giants' return on Odell Beckham was – a fleece by the Browns, which it clearly wasn't. Do I really think this makes the Titans a Super Bowl contender, though? No. Still isn't their, good yeah, their defense still needs help. You can't convince me that a Ryan Tannehill quarterback team is going to make it to the Super Bowl in an AFC with Patrick Mahomes and a lot of other great quarterbacks. And those the other receivers still have problems dropping the ball. This at least gives them a receiver that – doesn't drop the ball very much at all. I think they'll score a lot of points, but it's all up to the defense at this point. Like last year, they were scoring a lot of points too. Their defense was just terrible. This also makes it so Derrick Henry's not carrying the team on his back. Also makes teams have to worry more about the passing game yeah. than they would have. So we'll see how it works out. But uh, did, the, did the other guy? Did the other guy give up number eleven or did? Who do you have to pick a new number? AJ Brown offered number eleven to Julio Jones, and Julio didn't want to take it, so I think he's going to wear number two. 
just like a receiver should. Am I right? He's taking Matt Ryan's number. How about that? Well, I saw he was either taking two or eight. Yeah, I think eight would have been better, but it is what it is. I couldn't remember. Right I didn't. Right I didn't seven. remember. I didn't know what he wore in college. I don't remember. Was it eight? Oh, eight or two, probably. I don't know. All right. Uh, color me shocked. Aaron Rodgers did not attend the Packers mandatory mini camp. Oh my god, I'm so surprised. Uh, let me know when he actually does something significant, like skip training camp. Let me know when that happens because I really don't care. And this moron radio host, Dan Cilio, who's a complete fraud. He follows a ton of people, doesn't even have that many followers on Twitter, calls me a nobody. What an idiot he is. I mean, what a what a loser. He calls you a nobody on, it, on his radio show or on Twitter? No, he tweeted me back and said, another nobody in my business. First of all, Dan, you are a complete fraud when it comes to radio hosts because, number one, you don't even have over 15,000 followers, which is an embarrassment. I don't know how you call yourself – I don't know how you call it your business when you're not even that big of a name in the business. Number two, you tweet fake BS trade rumors to get ratings, which you, you've done that many times. He tweeted that the Broncos were close to a deal for Rodgers. He tweeted the Saints were close to a deal for Rodgers. Fake news, fake news. Double. Guy's an idiot, complete moron. No clue anybody in the business respects him. No clue how he's going to have a platform to talk about any of this stuff when he's a fake news moron idiot. So that's all I have to say about Dan Cilio, who's a fraud. What an idiot that guy is. All right. On to – I'm going to go to this one first just so we don't transition like that. Uh, the Packers signed linebacker Devondre Campbell, played four seasons in Atlanta and a season with Arizona. I think this is a nice signing for my squad, you know, get him in there in the middle. Hopefully he'll – be pretty good. We'll see what happens. Um, and then I just wanted to add that uh, former New York Giants head coach Jim Fossil passed away at 71. Uh, he was the coach of the year in 1997 in the NFL. He uh, lost in Super Bowl 35, I think that number is, to so the Ravens in 2000. So uh, a really good head coach. He won. He actually won the UFL championship twice as the head coach of the Las Vegas Loco- Locomotives. And his son is one of the best special teams coordinators in the league with the Dallas Cowboys. So condolences to him. And yeah, that's why that name sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, so sad news there. But let's transition. Transition is the word. I can't even say that. Wow. Slurring my words. Uh, college basketball. Some news there. Yeah. Izzo promotes Doug Wojcik to his assistant coach and hires three former players. Uh, Mike Mark Montgomery, former Northern Illinois coach and Spartan point guard, hired as recruiting coordinator. Austin Thornton, hired to be the team's video coordinator. And Matt McQuaid, hired to be its director of basketball operations. And I wrote this in quotations, hoping you would see it. Didn't he just graduate in the past year or two? No After clue. playing for like four or five years, most Michigan State players go in and out of the brain. Um, he played at Michigan State. Yeah, twenty nineteen was his last year there. It's a pretty good job. Pretty good gig. He'll be a head coach within the next decade. I guarantee it. If he wants it, so he, he is. He, he's been out a season, two seasons, because nineteen twenty and twenty twenty one, because he played eighteen nineteen was his last season. Oh, 
So yeah, he's been out for two years, but now he's already the director of basketball operations. It's probably not as big of a job as it sounds, if I had to guess. But you know, uh, all right. Last week I brought up maybe Jim Bayheim could be the next ACC coach to retire since we've already seen Coach K announce he's going on a retirement tour, and then Roy Williams retiring. Uh, but Bayheim says he has no intention to retire, which I think a few years ago he said he was going to retire, then didn't. I think that happened, if I'm not mistaken. But he's been the head coach of Syracuse since 1976, and he's 76 years old now. So I, I say four or five more years, and he'll be done, if I had to guess. Well, I th- I'm pretty sure that his son that just transferred is only like a sophomore. So I could give it two years, and he retires. I think he'll go even longer than that. I have that weird feeling about him. That he's, that he's going to try getting more wins than Coach K and then call it? I don't think he'll get there. Got too many vacated ones. If he had – if I think he had like 100 vacated. If he uh, had those wins, he'd be knocking on the door. But no. So uh, – and then I put this in there. Question, should Duke have considered making a run at Bobby Hurley as their head coach rather than naming John Shire as their head coach? Your thoughts? I don't think so. Bobby Hurley is a proven coach. I get that. Very good. They, they also they tried going after Tom Amaker at Harvard. Yeah. I think I, Bobby Hurley would have been a perfect fit, especially since he was such a star there. I know, but he he never was an assistant at Duke. I don't really he, think that should matter. No, but I'm just saying, like, I think they wanted to go in-house. I mean, Hurley would be in-house since he played there. No, his- but I meant like in-house on who who is in like his coaching tree. I guess. I was if I think if Nate James wouldn't have left, went to Austin P, and and as soon as he did, it would have been Nate James's job. That's a kick in the nuts right there. He leaves and then loses out on that opportunity. Yeah. Brutal. If, if Capel would have been back from Pitt, it would have might have been master. Huh? Jeff Capel can't coach. But I'm saying if he would have been back from Pitt, it might have been Capel. If Wojo might have been back from Marquette. I'll just say this. I think Bobby Hurley's better than any of those guys. But I also think that Bobby Hurley really likes Arizona State because I think he would have had the chance to get a huge contract and go to St. John's. If he wanted to, but he decided not to. You know, he's from that area, so I guess I was, he likes it on the West Coast. I was surprised when I heard I didn't hear that like Joni Dawkins didn't get interviewed. Is he still at UCF? I think so. Yeah, but like he was an assistant forever, and then left to go to Stanford. Had a couple good years, and then had a couple down years, and then left Stanford. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how John Shire does. Like I said, the job recruits itself is all about coaching uh, at that point. But but now I don't know who's even left there as an assistant. I'm sure you'll find out in the coming days what they're going mean, to be doing with that. No one Smith. No one Smith was still there as a, a somewhat of an assistant, so I'm sure he'll be there. But where's Kyle Singler these days? Get him in there. I think he's still in the league. He'll show people how to make corner three balls. Which is what I used to do with him on NCAA basketball ten. <laughs> Brian Zubek will be on the bench. It'll be the that whole twenty ten class. <laughs> exactly. Just throw them all in the assistant staff and go from there. All right, let's go to golf. The Memorial Tournament wrapped up, and a little bit of controversy on the back end of it, huh? Yeah. The 
winner of the Memorial Tournament presented by Nationwide. The winner was Patrick Cantlay. I won 1.7 million shot, 13 under. But John Rahm was had a six-stroke lead before a positive COVID test forced him out. Tire situation sucks. He would have won six-stroke lead with one with one round to go, pretty much automatic. But um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I and they told that. they told him while he was in the middle of his round, right? Well, I think he was walking off 18 right when they told him, I think. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like I wish they could have made it to where he let him play at like 6 a.m. before everybody else plays and do whatever you have to do to make it safe or whatever. But I don't know. It's a tough situation. He got I, he was going to win, obviously. So uh, I know that everyone's going to get the vaccine. I mean, he had one shot of it. He was in the middle of the process to get the second. So maybe he should have done it sooner because if you do have it on the tour, you don't have to go through the testing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to happen again, honestly. I think this is the last time we're going to see this. Most players are vaccinated. Most players aren't tested. And there's only been a few positive tests in the last year on the PGA Tour. So I don't see that happening. And then – what happened with the RBC Canadian Open? I don't think they're having it this year because of the whole Canada restrictions and stuff. So they're having the Palmetto Championship, which I don't think that that's been had before because there's no defending champ. But there wasn't a defending champ of the Canadian Open either. Pretty sure there was. I guess from 2019 when they last had it. You want to still call him defending champ. I thought when yeah. I wrote it out there that I didn't have one. Well, 2022 is the next time they're going to have the RBC Canadian Championship, and uh, Rory McIlroy won it in 2019. Okay, maybe I did have Rory down. I think you did. Uh, this is at Congaree Golf Club in Ridgeland, South Carolina. It looks sweet. Like When I saw the pictures of the course, it looks pretty cool. We'll see how that goes. I mean, we'll make our picks later, but it should be an interesting week of golf next week at the U.S. Open, so – Right back into a major we go next uh, next week, so we'll talk more about that. We'll go a little more in-depth next week with the majors, so uh, there you go. On to Major League Baseball, Jacob DeGrom, once again, got to talk about him. Dominance continues. Uh, first nine starts in a season. He's on pace or, you know, on the board with Pedro Martinez and Bob Gibson. DeGrom has a .62 ERA, 58 innings, 93 strikeouts. Pedro Martinez in 2000 had a 1.19 ERA, 68 innings, and 95 strikeouts. Bob Gibson had a 1.34 in 80 innings and 57 strikeouts. It really shows you, number one, how much more strikeouts these, you know, Pedro and DeGrom are getting, but also the innings that Bob Gibson pitched. That's a lot of innings in nine starts. Yeah, because those guys have pitched almost every inning. Yeah, I mean – Bob Gibson had a boatload of complete games, a ton. So let's talk about the team that we root for that's behind me on my wall and shows up a little bit on your background as well. The a little bit. They've lost six games in a row. The run differential is now minus 27, which is completely embarrassing considering it was like plus 24 like a month ago. Uh, the Brewers and the Cubs stand atop the division right now, so the Cardinals are in third place. Four of their key pitchers are hurt. Dakota Hudson, Tommy John last year, 
Quang Yun Kim, lower back tightness. Jack Flaherty with an oblique injury that's probably going to keep him out until August, if I had to guess. And Miles Michaels with another arm injury that's going to keep him out until August, plus Jordan Hicks in the bullpen. Plus Harrison Bader, Yadier Molina, who's back tonight, and Paul DeYoung have all had injuries. So injuries have been bad. Pitching has been horrendous. They've hit 48 batters this season, which is incredible. They hit 48 guys in 61 games. Walk rates are off the charts. Injuries, offense hasn't shown up. How did Reyes get an all-star? His numbers are very good. Yeah, but he he gets all these saves, but he also puts two guys on. He gets two guys on base every time. Yeah, but his numbers are so good. His ERA still under one. So he's like the most scary person to save a game. He, if we could have a two-run lead, and then he's like, "I'm gonna put two guys on just to scare everyone in the stands, everyone watching on TV." Yeah, I think the Cardinals have that every year. I think Rosenthal was like that. I think Isringhausen was like that. I think Hicks was kind of like that when he was closing games. Just how it is, you know. There's very few dominant closers in baseball, so. Uh, this is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. This Garrett Cole interaction from Tuesday. I really want to play it because it's so hard to watch. Uh, let me just read this. Then we're going to listen to it real quick. This is uh, Ken Davidoff asking Garrett Cole, have you ever used spider tack while pitching, which is like a sticky substance type thing. And uh, Garrett Cole, his answer is, um, I don't I don't know. I I, I don't know if uh I don't I don't quite I don't I don't quite know how to answer that to be honest. That's what Garrett Cole said. Let's listen to this and uh kind of gauge some thoughts on what this could be. And uh I'm gonna share my screen with Twitter. Okay, so do you see this right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. And how do you ever use spider attack while pitching? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know quite, I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that. I think that's enough of that. So, you know, not, not, uh, not a great look. For Garakol, not a great look. There I don't like how he's, there are customs yeah. and practices. He's basically talking about how pitchers have been using stuff for years. Basically, is what it sounded like to me. But I don't like the fact that everyone's going after Garakol like he's the only guy doing this. Um, but man, bad luck. <laughs> Those pauses were wow, hard to watch. But uh, he said about. 40 words in 20 seconds without saying anything and pause twice for like five seconds. So not the best look. Uh, we'll see where this goes. I think they're starting to crack down on it now, which is just the MLB, the people that run major league baseball have no clue what they're doing. So this is going to be a mess. I mean, people have been doing this the entire time. Then they decide to crack down on it in the middle of the season after being warned about it for years. And, uh, I just I don't I don't quite know how to answer that to be honest. So that's what he says, uh, which he clearly means. Uh, yes, I have used it. That's all I had to say. Just say it. What are they going to do? Suspend you? Why not just say it? I don't know. It's very weird. But another another one of those situations where a guy that was on the Cardinals is hitting bombs. 
Patrick Wisdom has eight home runs in the last 14 days for the Cubs. Traded to the Rangers by the Cardinals in 2018. Granted free agency by the Rangers, signed with the Mariners. Released by the Mariners, signed with the Cubs. Granted free agency by the Cubs, signed with the Cubs again. He had four career home runs before this season, all with the Cardinals in 2018. By the way, he had a pretty good numbers with the Cardinals when he was playing. Um, so I, I'd rather have Nolan Arenado at third base than Patrick Wisdom like they did in 2018 for a few weeks. But, of course, he's raking. I mean, whatever. Another situation. Adolis Garcia, Randy Rosarena also having great seasons. But is what it is. Everyone's going to talk about it, and I just don't care. I just want to put it in there because he can't stop hitting bombs. While all the other guys are on an IL. Yeah, it's true. And they're winning. So, All right. NHL. Uh, also, by the way, my hat right now looks like maybe I'm using some sticky stuff here on the side. You got some Spire Tack on there? I might have that because, I mean, this Major League Baseball, like five, the last five years, I guarantee every team has had at least one pitcher with a bunch of stuff on his hat, and they've done nothing about it. Like Craig Kimbrell's hat is ridiculous. Nothing about it. And now they're like, oh, middle of the season, got to make sure we – did, did anything ever come since um, – What's his name's hat got taken? Gallegos? Uh, I don't think so. And has anybody else's has anybody else in the league's hat or anything been taken? Not that I've seen. Maybe it's happened. I haven't seen it though. Whole thing's a disaster though. Um, okay, the NHL, the LA Kings are expected to be major players in the summer, looking to add top six forwards via free agency or trade. This is code for we are going to try to trade for Jack Eichel. So I mean the Kings, if anybody has the prospect pool to do it it's absolutely the la kings they have an absurd amount of prospects last three years they have two top five picks quentin byfield number two overall pick alex turcott number three overall pick number four actually excuse me so if anybody has the ammo to do it it's the kings i think i think if eichel does get traded the kings make a ton of sense you get them down the middle with kopitar and all the other depth forwards they have there they would be very good uh, and then the NHL draft lottery happened. You had Buffalo State number one, so they're going to draft somebody that they're going to mess up down the road. Seattle goes from three to two, and Anaheim goes from two to three. So if I'm Buffalo, I'm taking Owen Power, a big defenseman put on the back end with Rasmus Dahlin. I think they're, they've drafted so many high forwards over the last few years. You look at Eichel, you look at Reinhardt, you look at Middlestat. I think it's enough with that. You look at Cousins, you look at uh, Jack Quinn. They drafted five forwards in the first round in, like, Seven last seven years, so it's a little ridiculous at this point. Seattle, I think Matthew Beneers, centerman from Michigan, is a perfect guy to start your franchise with. Makes a lot of sense. In Anaheim, I would go Brant Clark, defenseman. They draft a lot of forwards. They have a lot of forwards already. Get a defenseman in there like uh, Clark. Back-to-back years taking a defenseman, I think that would make a ton of sense. So I, I've been wondering for a few weeks how Seattle will approach this expansion draft because you remember what Vegas did which was just fleece other teams by, you know, teams' expansion lists weren't as the way that they wanted them to be. So you let's for, say, for example, Florida, Florida's expansion list, GM of Florida calls Vegas, says, hey, we're willing to give you a first-round pick if you take Jonathan Marcheseau instead of taking the other guy. Well, Marcheseau turned out to be a stud for Vegas. Same thing here. Oh, uh, Columbus. We'll take – I don't even know if it was Columbus when this happened, but 
if you take Riley Smith, we'll give you a first round pick or a second round pick or whatever. If you take him instead of taking him, Riley Smith's been great for them. William Carlson, same thing. I think William Carlson was the Columbus one, but I wonder if Seattle does that. But I do think NHL GMs have learned their lesson. Just let it happen. Because, like, let's say, uh, for example, right now with the Blues, okay, if the Blues GM Doug Armstrong says, hey, if you don't take Vince Dunn, we'll give you a second-round pick and you can take Jaden Schwartz. Like, I don't think they're going to be doing it to that extent anymore. I'd be interested to see if they do, but I don't think NHL GMs are going to let that happen again. But to be honest, Vegas got pretty lucky, so we'll see. Uh, P.K. Subban will be an ESPN analyst for the NHL for the rest of the playoffs, so I'm sure he'll be doing this every playoffs now since he's on the Devils and they're never making it to the playoffs again. <laughs> so that'll be fun for him. And then updated playoff series, yes? Yeah, in the East, you got uh, the Boston Islanders. The Islanders are up 3-2 in that series. Game six is tonight. Uh, Montreal beat Winnipeg 4-0 last night, right? Two nights ago. Two nights ago. Last night, um, Tampa Bay beat North or Carolina 4-1. Or is that two nights ago as well? No, that was last night. And then uh, Vegas is up 3-2 on Colorado. Yeah, I think uh, the Islanders getting two in a row there kind of surprised me. I kind of thought Boston would probably be up 3-2 at this point. And uh, Cassidy did get a $25,000 fine. Yeah, I don't really understand what he's talking about because if you look at the, the season, the Islanders were one of the least penalized teams in the league. It's also playoff hockey. so. Well, I and, think it also went back to game um, – Four when Barzal was cross-checking the hell out of everyone in the back and not getting a penalty at all. Yeah, I don't really understand what the point of them even calling cross-checks is at this point because they rarely call them, and then the only way that you ever get in trouble for it is if it's, like, in the face. Well, they were all in the, they were all in the back. And I think they, it has to be really severe for them. To and, the pen, and the penalties in game four were, like, eight to two, Boston – I get the that, Islanders. but it's like throughout the entire season, the Islanders have been one of the least penalized teams in the league. So I don't think that they're paying the refs, you know, to not call anything. This I didn't hear. Part. I didn't hear his his saying. I just knew why what it was for. What he said made no sense, and I think it's kind of the NHL coach thing. Like when you're losing in a series, you start to just blame the refs. Like we've seen so many guys do that. Craig Bruby for the Blues did that this year. Uh, Pretty much every series that's ever happened, that's kind of what you do. Rod Brindamore's done it for the Canes. I mean, that's just how it is. I don't know. It's it's an interesting situation. But I think the Bruins will win tonight and bounce back. So I think we'll get a game seven. Uh, Jets, Canadians, I mean, I thought the Jets would put up a fight. They didn't. They got destroyed. So Montreal. Montreal, the team with the worst record to make the playoffs. Yeah, and they're eight and three in the playoffs. And they, they haven't. They never trailed in this series, I don't think. And I think yeah, who they, plays who plays who in the next round and all this? I'm assuming it's going to be because I think it's reseeded. So I think winner of Colorado Vegas will play Montreal. So that's the because Colorado Vegas have more points than Tampa, Boston, or New York. So that would put let's say Vegas wins would be Vegas Montreal, and then Tampa Bay versus the winner of the Islanders and Bruins. So gotcha. 
makes sense in terms of the geography too. They kind of got lucky with that because if it was like a Vegas, New York, or Boston conference final, that'd be weird. But uh, there you go. Okay, let's go now to college football. Uh, college football, where apparently they're going to make a playoff change finally, and a 12-team model leads the way. The basic thought is automatic bids for Power 5 winners and the highest-ranked group of five team. The other six would be at-large bids. This is via Pete Thamel at Yahoo Sports. I don't understand why they didn't, just don't simplify it and do an eight-team model personally, but either way, eight or 12 is fine with me because the way it's set up now is atrocious. Which is the four? Yeah, give uh, give teams like, you know, the teams that emerged from outside the power conference, like Coastal Carolina last year or, you know, BYU, something like that. So, I mean, obviously this year, power five winners getting in, you're going to have Alabama get in, you're going to have Ohio State get in, you're going to have Oregon obviously get in because, uh, duh, right? A uh, huge Oregon fan here. Um, who else is in the Clemson will get in and then Oklahoma. Yeah. So you'll have obvious five. Or Oklahoma or Texas. Whoever comes or no Baylor. Baylor could win the Big Twelve. Texas is frauds. Uh call me back with Texas actually winning something. It's so embarrassing how much money that program invests into his football program just to suck. But you never know what crazy a Baylor or Texas tech. I think Oklahoma's way better than everybody in there. Got a second year of a I was just throwing out different names there in the Big 12. Either way, though, college football playoff expansion makes a lot of sense. And, and then, uh, then you got Clemson, probably Clemson coming out of the ACC. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. Alabama out of the SEC. And then Ohio State out of the Big 10. I would say Oregon or USC out of the uh, Pac 12. So there you go. And with that, we go to the picks of the week. What did you do last week? Six and two. What? Staying hot. I went four and four. Yeah, I'm I'm eight and zero in Major League Baseball the last two weeks. Uh, and Major League, I went um, one and three. I'm now fifty one and thirty six in the year because the Cardinals couldn't beat Cincinnati. The Cubs lost to San Fran, and Houston lost to Boston. I had Boston, and I had San Fran. Yeah, I know. Or wait. Who won the Cubs-Giants game? San Fran. Yeah, I think I had them. Well, you better look before you just say I had. Well, didn't we go head-to-head on that game? There was two games we had to head on. I think it was Houston-Boston and then the other one. Oh, you better look. Chicago. I mean, I know I went 4-0, so I'll just double-check just for the fans out there that are concerned about my incredible MLB record the last two weeks. Because I thought we went head-to-head in the hockey, too. I had the Giants, Padres, White Sox, Red Sox. They all won. Hockey, you had Boston. I had New York. Did you have Carolina or Tampa Bay? I had Carolina. I also had Carolina. I had Denver. They beat the Nuggets. Or Wow. I had Denver. They beat the Blazers. Nuggets, who lost. Or, yeah. So I went 1-1 one and 1-1 one and, one and, one and then 4-0. 6-2. Oh. and two. So what's your overall now? 51 and 36. Huh? 51 and 36. Damn. 47 and 42. 
I'm 12 and uh, five last two weeks. I kind of went risky on the MLB picks this week, so we'll see if I kind of cool down. But I had Morikawa finish second at the uh, Memorial. I had DeChambeau 18th, Brendan Todd 53rd, and Max Homa 6th. So I had one golfer withdrawal. Who'd you have? I don't even remember who which one it was. All right, there we go. Okay, the Palmetto Championship at Congaree this week. I'm taking Brooks Kepka plus 850. I'll take Sung J M plus seventeen hundred. Kevin Kisner, a friend of the show, really. If you think about it, even though he doesn't know us, he's probably a friend of the show. I pick him every week. Plus forty five hundred. J T. Poston plus eighty five hundred. Kisner's plus four thousand. By the way, I had it at forty five hundred. Uh, I have Dustin Johnson plus seven fifty. Um, Tommy Fleetwood plus twelve hundred. Kisner plus four thousand. And Brant Snicker at plus 5,000. All right. Let's go to the NHL playoffs. One game tomorrow, game six, Colorado-Vegas. I think Colorado's going to bounce back. They should have won last night. Uh, minus 108. Give me the abs over the Golden Knights. Uh, I have Colorado plus 120. Did you get it from DraftKings? Yeah. Really? I saw minus 108. It should be favored. Backs against the wall. I said plus 120. Yeah, they should be favored. Ah, how did I misread that? <laughs> All right, abs plus 120. I'll take that. <laughs> Nailed it. You're taking that too? Yeah. Okay. Uh, NBA playoffs. Give me the Nets plus 133. I know it's 143 right now, but I had it at 133 when I wrote it down. In game three over the Bucks. I think the Bucks are a dead team. And then I'll take the Clippers plus 123 at the Jazz. Game two. I have Brooklyn plus 138. <laughs> really moving. Really also, also on Jeff games. It's gone up, it's gone up 10 in the last like hour because I picked it earlier. And I have the Clippers at plus 123. All right. We're on the same page there. So we have uh, NHL, NBA, all the same picks. So no opportunity for you to go take a step forward here. So we'll see. I have only thing I can make up for is then baseball. I have the Pirates plus 184 against the Dodgers because why the hell not? They're going to win a game at some point, right? Uh, the Braves plus 120 at the Phillies. The White Sox plus 108 against the Blue Jays. And the Athletics minus 139 against the Royals. Can we make up two games here? Woo. <laughs> I got the Dodgers minus 210 over should Pittsburgh. Win should win I, I got Miami minus 190 over the Rockies. I got the White Sox plus 115 over Toronto. And Oakland minus 145 over Kansas City. Should be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, plenty of news and notes coming next week on the episode Number 16, we'll talk U.S. Open golf. We'll talk more NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball. Where does the pitching uh, thing go? We'll find out. And uh, other items, news and notes, of course, as I said. All right, that'll do it for us. Number 16 coming next week on June 16th, and we'll see you then. Deuces.